my name is Julie Turney, and this is the HR Sound Off Podcast Show, the show created for HR and business professionals to discuss pertinent topics and trends as it relates to our professions. We're going to have amazing conversations with HR professionals from all over the world, get to learn their origin stories. How did they get into this profession? What do they love about being here? And how they want to set the record straight on that one misconception that really drives them crazy about our profession. Are you ready? I'm ready. Then let's sound off. Hi, everyone, and welcome to today's episode of the HR Sound Off Podcast Show. My name is Julie Turney, and I am your host. And it is an absolute pleasure to finally meet my guest today. My guest today is Paul Lalong. Paul, how are you doing? Did I say that right, Lalong? I think you put a little uh, French spin on it, which I admire. But uh, yeah, and uh, thank you, Julie, for having me on. I We were remarking before the show that... Yeah. You know, I'm shocked that we've actually never met up until now never because it feels anything. like you've uh, been a, a longtime friend. Same, same here. Like we support each other. We've been supporting each other on LinkedIn for for years now. And it just feels so strange like that we've never actually crossed paths. But yeah, welcome to the show. How are you doing? I'm doing OK. Um, mostly OK, because we were talking again that uh, I hear tornado sirens going off, but it's yes. super sunny out and I'm like. Okay, I'm already in the basement, so I think I'll be okay. <laughs> Hopefully, we have safe passage even after this recording today, Paul. I'm wishing you all the best. I appreciate it, and it hopefully shows how dedicated I am to you. Absolutely appreciate it. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's get things started. Tell our audience, who is Paul, um, and what is your HR story? Uh, well, Paul is a... Uh, an HR professional outside of Chicagoland. I'm in the suburbs, but uh, mm-hmm. my particular job, I, I'm VP of People and Culture for the Community and Economic Development Association of Cook County. Uh, mm-hmm. We're based in Chicago mm-hmm. and we give uh, services throughout Cook County for poverty, uh, low income and poverty stricken individuals to try and help lift them out of poverty and give them the tools they need to be self-sustaining and improve their their position in life. So Mm. we do a lot of uh, energy assistance programs. We do what's called WIC, so uh, Women, Infant, and Children, and provide uh, new mothers, nutrition services for their children and those type of things. So we we have a breadth of services, and that's what we, we try to do in our community. Wow, that's truly admirable. And we'll, and we'll talk a little bit more about your role and what your organization does in a bit. But tell us, how did you get into HR, Paul? You know, I think the uh, the standard fell into it kind of a story. You know, mm-hmm. uh, uh, in a previous role, I had a lot of crossover with HR. It wasn't an HR job, but I did performance management, hiring, uh all those type of traditional HR stuff, even FMLA uh, for my department, uh, because we were, we didn't have an HR department, we weren't centralized. So it was kind of, you know, tasked out to the managers. And I found I really liked those type of jobs, like Mm -hmm. the people jobs rather than the, the, the other things that I was doing. So Mm -hmm. while I fell into it, I ended up really liking it. And why I stay in it is again, the people. 
yeah. uh, at the end of the day. Yeah, that's really good. I mean, I know a lot of times most people say they fall into HR and, you know, they stick with it because they love it and they love the people. Let me ask you, what's one of the most touching experiences and rewarding experiences that you've ever had in your HR career? Oh, man. Um, I think, you know, these are always hard to answer because they're, they're so thankfully many. are so many, right? Yes. Right. And I would say lately uh, or within the past year or so uh, mm-hmm. where I've ended up was had to do a lot of rehabilitation of the HR department. So, you know, uh, through various challenges over the years, they didn't have a great reputation. Yeah. Uh, so coming in and having people tell me that they never thought HR that uh, could help them in the way that we've helped them mm-hmm. and support them through these challenging times, especially, you know, during COVID and uh, the mental health crisis that is plaguing the world really but uh but where we are especially mm-hmm. um i think that's been the most positive hard hitting in the right way for for me um yeah. just knowing through all the challenges you are making a difference okay. uh, and it's it's hard to see it all the time but yeah. when you do see it uh take take note of it because you are making a difference yeah it's like looking for that diamond in the rough, right? So much rough, so much hardship. But when you actually find that diamond moment in your career, it truly is um, rewarding and fulfilling, right? A hundred percent, hundred percent. So my hope is that uh, it's the hope diamond that we find in the rough because uh, (laughs) uh, at the end of the day, really it's helping people making it all worth it it really is yeah I've got to ask you this and and this is kind of like a new question for me but I feel like I can ask you we know that HR is a predominantly female profession Mm -hmm. what are some of the things that you appreciate about HR and the women in this role being a man in HR what do you appreciate about the women in HR Uh, I, I love this question because I thought I think about it just randomly all the yeah. time. It's funny uh, when I was at a conference uh, at an HR conference in 2018, a local HR uh, chapter approached me to join their committee or mm-hmm. to join the board, and they go, "Well, we want you on because of diversity." I'm like, "Wait, what?" That that made absolutely no sense to me because I'm <laughs> I'm a white guy, a white and they're guy. like, "Well." In HR, and that's exactly what they said. Yeah. We have a hard time finding male perspective to be mm-hmm. on. I was like, oh my gosh, this is just wonky to me. But yeah. I grew up uh, with a single mother. So I was around the female perspective a mm-hmm. lot. Yeah, uh, And then that gave me a different perspective, honestly. And I, growing up in that environment, I see, you know, a lot of characteristics in, in women just making HR better in a lot of ways, you know, especially a lot of studies show women tend to, tend to be more empathetic. Yeah. I think naturally I have a, a strong empathy. So I've always related to that. Yeah. Um, women are able to take care of, of multiple things where men typically, you know, studies show can't you know they focus on one thing at a time Mm -hmm. where women are able to do multiple things at times Mm -hmm. I mean anybody who's seen 
HR, been in HR knows you have to wear a million different hats. So I think just seeing that type of experience and seeing what my single mother had to do Mm -hmm. almost likens it to like an HR department of one, seeing what they have to do and just everything that's placed on top of them. And Mm -hmm. I know it's apples and oranges to a degree, but I just think a lot of those experiences over my life have helped give me that kind of perspective and appreciation. And uh, I've always just been, I think, more comfortable for what it's worth around uh, women more than men for whatever it's worth. So maybe that's ultimately uh, an unconscious bias of which drew me into it without me even knowing it. Who knows? But that's a great question. Uh, I wish more people would think about things like that. Yeah. Thank you. And it's very admirable that you actually do consider it and that you do have that appreciation because I find that a lot of times um, as we're having these conversations, a lot of men in HR do not fully appreciate how hard it is for women progressing in this role because studies do show that most men in HR have the senior roles. And so when we're talking about like helping and elevating women in HR, it's one of those challenges that we see still existing today. So that leads to my next question. Number one, what words of encouragement do you have for your HR colleagues today? Considering everything that we've been going through over the last couple of years, what words of encouragement would you like to leave with our our audience today? Um, I think number, the, the thing, first thing that kind of comes to mind is, uh, and for those that are listening that don't know me uh, as well, may not know that a lot of what informs what I do is based on my love and study of philosophy. Mm. Um, I like to take philosophy and actually apply it. And I think that's how it should always have been meant to be. It's not something you just think of and, oh, well, that's great to think about. It's like, no, you you study philosophy so you can apply it. Yeah. And one of the philosophies that really inspires and drives me in a a different way is uh, Stoicism. And uh, Mm -hmm. Marcus Aurelius had written in meditations which was his own private journal that mm-hmm. eventually someone found after he passed on and we got to keep his wisdom he was writing to himself no one was meant to see it but in it he talks about how nothing is truly unprecedented and i use that a lot over the last couple of years mm-hmm. you know i got probably sick of hearing like everybody else we're in unprecedented times this is so mm-hmm. unprecedented and it's like no it's not um uh, there was a pandemic a hundred years ago called the Spanish flu. And if you read it, it's scary how similar things played out. Yeah. I mean, there were anti-mask movements in the 19 teens during the Spanish flu. Mm-hmm. People were going to war uh, amongst themselves over the same things that we are today. Lockdown versus not lockdown. It's like, this is not unprecedented. We're just not paying attention. So I would just say, take heed and understand that okay, this situation that everybody is going through Mm -hmm. feels different and just feels like we haven't been through it before. But if we take a step back, just do a little bit of research, don't have to go in deep with it. Mm -hmm. You can find that people before us made it through. 
and we're stronger today because of them. So let's try and have that same attitude and same perspective that let's be better so that the next generation has the opportunities that we couldn't and don't have to deal with things that we're dealing with now. Yeah. I think the human race has been somewhat bad at that, (laughs) but it's still something that we can strive to be. So it might've been a long-winded response, but I hope that. I appreciate it. Yeah, definitely do better, be better. I think is, is very important for us, but to just recognize that life is a cycle, you know, it's just like, I hate to quite bring it down to something as simple as fashion or technology or whatever, but it's cyclical. So no, no matter how far you look back, you're going to see there were pandemics, there were economic crisis. We see that in the fall of different empires, whether it be the Roman Empire, the Babylonian Empire, they all fell because of some form of crisis, some form of greed, some form of bad behavior from a human perspective. And so like the history tells us um, that these things, if we don't learn, these things will continue to happen one way or the other. It's just, we need to see it for what it is and do differently try to be better so that our children and our children's children will have something a bit more promising to look forward to if we don't I agree that 100 percent um and one last thing to piggyback off that is remember that this too shall pass yeah nothing is permanent that good feeling that we all have every once in a while that's not permanent the bad feeling that everybody has is not permanent. It's just recognizing it, acknowledging it, giving yourself space and grace, and then realizing the next step is coming. So let's get ready for that. Exactly, exactly. I was listening to a, um, a speech that Oprah Winfrey gave at a university. I don't know how long ago it was. I just happened to come across it on TikTok. And in that speech, she was saying, Sometimes when you don't know, instead of asking other people's opinion, sit in the stillness of not knowing. The answer will come. And I found that to be so profound because I think a lot of times we're trying to ask people like, you know, how I need help. How do we do this? How do I do that? But if you sit in the stillness, you'll find the answer. And I think that that's quite true. Sometimes the answer is within us. It's been there all along. Sometimes it's right in front of us and we just don't see it for whatever reason. Um, But I think that it's really important for us to remember that whatever particular situation we are in, in that moment, it feels awful. It feels heavy. It feels like it'll never end, but it does. We're outside now. Hey, whoever thought? we're outside now discovering all the species that time had time you know that had time to come back and catch themselves and recuperate because we weren't around it's funny you say that too because uh uh, two things popped in my mind and they're both kind of the same uh i remember reading an article a couple years ago like during about a year into the pandemic, uh, a lot of water pollution Mm -hmm. started going away because people weren't out as much as as they used to be. So the water started clearing. Mm -hmm. And that was the same thing that I had thought of when you were talking about Oprah and stillness. There's a book uh, by Ryan Holiday, Stillness is the Key. Mm -hmm. And 
he, he talks all about all exactly what you said that for us to really take that next step we have to take a step back and actually engage in not engaging and a, a perfect example is exactly that water example think of choppy waves and it it has everything being brushed up and you can't see the bottom of yeah. the water once the water stops and it has time to to be still and it's not choppy everything starts settling yeah. And then you can start seeing clearly in the water again. Mm-hmm. Our minds and the way that we think are exactly like that. Yeah. Uh, so. Yeah. Sometimes we just need the stillness to find the answer. My second question on top of my first is what advice do you have for men in HR um, with regards to how they support and advocate for their female colleagues? Mm-hmm. Uh the number one thing is to me be quiet and listen that's the number one mm-hmm. it's well maybe that's number two maybe number one <laughs> is acknowledging and understanding that men and women uh have different perspectives and be quiet and listen and understand what that perspective is yeah ask and understand that we don't know and we're not going to know and understand but we can at least attempt to have some empathy and then take it a step further because i don't think empathy is the end game is compassion's the end game because yes. compassion is putting empathy to the use action. yes it's the action mm-hmm. um so putting all that together it's trying to understand what are the challenges of women in the profession and specifically women who may report to you or are in your sphere of influence and then use your position within the organization to change things. Um, Sometimes you have a direct ability to make changes. If you can do it, Mm -hmm. sometimes you have the sphere of influence to make, you know, try and influence changes, do that. It's really at the end of the day, using your privilege and using your position to make and advocate for change that can be supportive of differing perspective, differing viewpoints and life experiences. Nice. Thank you so much for sharing that. Let me ask you, Paul, what are you reading, watching, listening to right now that you think that our audience would appreciate? Oh, uh, I'm a huge reader and, and I'm I suffer, unfortunately, from uh, the pile of books because I'll start mm-hmm. reading one and then I'll go, well, I'll start reading this other one. And it's like, <laughs> I need to get into a better habit of finishing the book that I'm on before I start moving. But uh, I mean, Marcus Aurelius's Meditations, it, it's always by my bedside. Just, uh, just read a few passages here and there. But one book I'm truly enthralled in right now is called The Sum of Us by mm-hmm. Heather McGee. Uh-huh. And She's a, uh, she was a policy advocate at, uh, I can't remember the name of the not-for-profit right now, but works in D.C. for policy advocacy, especially towards social justice and, and racism. And she took a look at why is it, when she started noticing, why is it that certain white individuals will advocate for policies that hinder them as much as it hinders black Americans Mm -hmm. and she just couldn't get past it. So her theory is that America had kind of grown up with this zero sum 
gain kind of a philosophy where I can only advance in life if somebody else suffers because there's only so many resources. So that's not true. And the data d- doesn't back that up. That, yeah. So she uses the sum of us, you know, when mm-hmm. one of us flourishes, we all flourish. Right. It's not a, a, a take game. So I think that right now has just been a fascinating read for education's sake and uh, perspective sake that I don't necessarily have. Um, some other things are redefining HR by Lars Schmidt. Lars Schmidt, yeah. I will plug that till the day I die. Um, uh-huh. People strategy by Altman is a really good, simple, quick read, but really good. And the Tao of Strategy, uh, which is a fantastic book that kind of links uh, how how do you be strategic mm-hmm. given Eastern philosophical uh, undertakings and studies. So. Mm-hmm there i know you i don't know if that's too again that's that's my pile right now i need to cut it down (laughs) (laughs) that's a good pile that's a reasonable amount of books to be kind of cross reading right now i think um yeah for sure i will definitely take a look at them because there are a couple that you mentioned that i've never heard of and i always end up buying books that my guests talk about anyway so thank you so much for sharing those the big question what is the biggest misconception about HR that really bothers you that you want to set the record straight on right here, right now? Oh, man. You know, this this one is difficult um, only because it depends on the philosophy of, of who you are and where you're at. You know, I would love to say that the biggest misconception is that HR is not there to support people, you know, because they're only there to support the business and they don't care about the people. Yeah. I would like to say that's a misconception, but that's probably unfortunately true at a lot of places. Mm-hmm. Um, at more progressive forward thinking organizations, HR is there to be that balance. Yeah. You know, yeah, we, we have to support the organization, but without the organization or without people, there is no organization, exactly. right? So you have to support your people. Yeah. And it's it's a balancing act, but it should be a relatively easy one. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, so, you know, I guess that doesn't really answer your question. That's more of my uh, my hope for the world. My my hope one day is that we don't have to have uh, uh, Dilbert cartoons with the evil HR cat. Catbert. Catbert, the evil HR director. So. Yeah. <laughs> Catbert is something else, honestly. Sometimes you know the in. In another lifetime, I found Dilbert comics comics actually hilarious. Even in the HR space now, some of them, I I just feel like it's the true representation of bad HR. And yet, even though people can see that, like for me, anyone who is practicing the HR like that is Catbert, as far (laughs) as I'm concerned. If that's how you practice HR, you are Catbert. But yeah. Don't, don't be Catbert. Don't be Catbert. Don't be Catbert. And he's red for a reason. <laughs> Come on, you know. But I, I definitely agree with you. I think that um, it's unfortunate. I always remember a previous guest I had, Liz Kislet, and she said, you know, a lot of the misconceptions that people say happen in the HR space have some measure of truth to them. Like every misconception has a measure of truth to it because it's been somebody's lived experience, right? Mm. It just means that 
what we don't want is people painting everyone with the same brush. Just because you've had a bad experience with one person in HR does not mean every HR professional is like that. So if you've had an experience where HR has treated you like the business was more important than you, the individual, then I'm, I'm sorry you've had that experience. But it is... It doesn't mean your next experience with another HR professional is going to be that way, right? But I long, the, I long for the day when we have good, when we can really say HR is a profession that people really admire, that young people actually aspire to, and that one day I could look at my grandkids and say, what do you want to be when you grow up? And they go, I want to be in HR like you, grandma. And I'd be like, yes, I did my job well. <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome. that's what that's what you you know live to aspire to you know so mm -hmm. i think if we i think we have a lot of great people in this space right now yourself included that i really admire and, and look up to and appreciate all the hard work and effort that that goes on behind the scenes that nobody knows about and i just hope that you continue to do what you're doing so that you know, we can make HR great again. That's awesome. Thank you. I appreciate that uh, sentiment for sure. And of course, uh, be remiss if I didn't uh, put that back on you as well. Um, uh, I think the same mutual uh, admiration for sure. Thank you. Tell me, Paul, what do you do for self-care? The one thing HR professionals truly are not the best at. What do you do? No, I... I do a, a number of things um, because I don't think any one, as with anything in life, right? Uh, one thing isn't really going to help. It, it's right. a bunch of little things Thanks. that add up. Um, one thing that I started doing that I'm more proud of, really proud of myself for doing, is actually disconnecting and having that boundary. And especially with COVID, uh, at the very beginning, I think like everybody, I'd be working seven to seven because I was home. I didn't yeah. have anything else to do. Uh, well, all right, I'll just work. And I was quickly like, oh my God, this is burning. And, and it really was. And in an older me wouldn't have cared and would have kept going. But COVID taught me, no, five o'clock, it's down. Yeah, I'm done. I'm not touching it. So that's one thing I'm really proud that I've been towing a line at for myself mm -hmm. um walking is i love walking like i hate physical exercise i wish i didn't because i just i, I really just wish I, I enjoyed physicality a little bit more but yeah. i do love walking so i found something that i did like that is physical and i do it nice. uh, every day and i schedule it right i go from noon to one this is my lunch hour don't schedule anything i'm eating lunch and i'm going for a walk uh, and of course, reading, mm -hmm. uh, just taking up hobbies and being more mindful about what uh, what am I consuming, not from a not just yeah. a food standpoint, but from a from a, a visual listening standpoint, right? Yeah. Um, and every once in a while, it's okay to just put on a half hour, an hour television show that's just mind numbing and doesn't make you think, and use that as just a ah mm -hmm. moment, you know. Yeah. And for me, that's like King of the Hill. I love King of the Hill. Uh, uh, nice. But... Okay. I've never watched King of the Hill. But, um... <laughs> it's, uh, if you've seen Office Space, yes. um, it, Mike Judge, it's Mike Judge humor. And uh, B. 
Beavis and Butthead, like a toned down version of Beavis and Butthead. Oh, okay. <laughs> but it, it's, uh, but it's more of that office space. Mike Judge makes you laugh, but not super hard chuckle. But yeah, you know, it, it's he's just super smart and funny. But anyway, nice, cool. Thank you for sharing those. I'm sure that mm-hmm. others will find them useful, and it's nice to know that you're practicing what you preach. So as you, you know, advocate for others to take care of themselves, that you're actually taking care of yourself too. That's really commendable for you. With that being said, Paula Long, you survived your time in the sound booth today. Thank you for joining me for this conversation. I appreciate it. My pleasure. This uh, has been fantastic. And I'm super happy we are finally able to make it work and and talk it through. I love this conversation. Hope to continue it with you. Definitely. Thank you. Thank you for joining me for this episode of HR Sound Off. I hope that you found it useful. You can find this and all of the episodes of HR Sound Off on all major podcast platforms. Spotify, Apple, Amazon, you name it, we're there. Remember, HR Sound Off is created by HR professionals for HR professionals. If you would like to share your story, then reach out to us and let us know. Make sure to hit the notification bell and subscribe to HR Sound Off on YouTube as well as Podbean. And we'll see you again when we next sound off.